Welcome, Bears fans, to this installment of Bear Bones to IR and back again, where we will look over this week's injury news and preview this upcoming game against the Falcons. It is a weird role that I'm in hosting while I sit next to Will DeWitt, uh, Bear Bro to Chicago Audible dude, and now with CHGO. Will, how are you doing? Mason, doing great. Glad to be here with you, and you're right. It's kind of odd to be literally in different chairs podcasting together for the first time, but I'm excited for the experience, and honestly, I'm still going to stay here because he said, welcome Bears fans, and he didn't say, welcome back Bears fans, because then I would have had to slap the subpoena on you, and uh, I don't think you want that. No, I got to make those little adjustments. Can't be the exact same thing. There you go. Exactly. But yeah, no, this is great. Excited to talk some Bears, Bears, Falcons, and really just hang out with you for a bit because we don't get to do it as much as we used to. No, we don't. And the cool thing is this show is full of puns and stupidity, and so it's going to be a lot of fun. Then that brings us to first our knee-jerk reaction. And Will, I'll let you kick it off. After you saw that game last week against the Lions, what was your knee-jerk reaction? Okay, so knee-jerk reaction. Uh, again, I'm new, so I want to make sure I'm doing this right. Like, you mean like hot, hot take? Like, you want me to just like floor you here? Because I can do that. Yeah, let's let's get wild with it. All right, here we go. Jalen Jones is a hidden gem, and I think he is severely underrated for this Bears team. Last week, only one catch allowed for five yards. And I was like, I feel like he's had a few games like that. So I went back and looked at his target share this year, and he hasn't played a lot. Uh, but when he has had to play in five games, 82 coverage snaps, only four catches allowed for 22 yards. You have to take away the Minnesota game, but I feel like when you look at just what Minnesota did this Bears defense, it was not Jalen Jones's problem that day. But still, like, he's played when he's had to fill in for either Kendall Vildor or Jalen Johnson earlier this year. I think he's played on a much higher level than a lot of people even giving him credit for. Again, four catches, 22 yards, and 82 cover snaps in five games. It's pretty shut wow. down, if you ask me. I mean, that is a pretty hot take. But at the same time, when you lay it out like that, I mean, there's there's validity to that. I mean, when he's come in... You don't, I don't really notice him, which I think is what you're supposed to do with, with your second corner. Like, you really shouldn't be like, oh, there he is again. Like, sometimes the much uh, mountain-lined Kindle Vildor tends to do. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, for me, for, I mean, Vildor's been okay, too, this year. Way, he's playing at a higher level than I would have expected him to play mm-hmm. in coming into this season. And unfortunately, and I'm sure we'll talk about it when we get to some injury talk, but like Dalen Johnson not being 100% last week and still playing really hurt the team. Like from my vantage point at the game, like the separation that they were able to get on him so quickly off the snap and how he was always trailing was, uh, that's not the Jalen Johnson I'm used to. And it was a little disappointing, but I understand injuries happen, but, and Kendall was hurt. So like you had to step up at some degree, but it was still, uh, it was a tough watch. Yeah, we'll definitely dive into both of those guys as we get further into it. Uh, my knee-jerk reaction, and I'm really curious to what you're going to say to this because I know this is kind of all over the place. I have mixed feelings about that game. I I left with it disappointed. I went to sleep thinking I'd wake up feeling better about it, and I'm still disappointed. Hmm. Uh, I get it. It's a rebuilding year. It's a good tank loss, all that jazz. I It just leaves a bad taste in my mouth when you're up 14 against a bad Lions team and you lose that game now yes will anyone look back at this game and be like oh I remember that first game against the Lions back in 2020 probably not 
and I'm not putting this on Justin. I'm not putting it on Getsy or anyone individually, but I, I was so excited, especially like the last two drives and definitely the last drive to see, all right, let's see Justin go get this. Go get a bucket, right? Because that's what you want your franchise quarterback who, you know, you're hoping is going to be a top five guy to do. He didn't do that. Was he helped out? No, I didn't love the play calling Getsy had leading into that. Yes, Justin threw the pick six, which didn't help. He had the run for the touchdown, which was amazing to get it back. You know, you had the issues with the penalty calls, which, you know, the mm-hmm. phantom face to hands to the face that Jalen Johnson had that erased the Jack Sanborn interception. Even, you know, we'll talk about him probably later. Yes, the defense should be able to stop Jared Goff. All of these things are true, 100%. But I still didn't like it, and I still don't feel great about it. So that's the knee-jerk reaction, like that you just haven't gotten over the loss. I just want to make sure we're on the same page. Yeah, or are you just setting I, up for something else? No, it's just that I'm dis- I think that I'm disappointed in how that turned out. That I'm okay. disappointed in Justin. I'm disappointed in Getzy. I'm disappointed in Chase Claypool not being able to go back shoulder. I'm disappointed that the offense couldn't get one more score to beat a bad Lions pass mm-hmm. defense. I'm not going to give away one of our segments later. I have some more thoughts about the end of the game that I want to kind of keep in my pocket for now. But you're right. And even the defense, like, the, I know they gave up a 90-some-odd yard scoring drive in a matter of three minutes to the Lions in the fourth quarter after they had a pretty damn good third quarter holding that Lions offense in check, which allowed the Bears to go out there and actually extend the lead in that second half. But, no, you're right. I think losing to the Lions, Mason, is like something that, we should never really accept as a fan base. I know it's a bad year, but like, damn, like you don't want to do that. My other, I want to give you like my B uh, knee jerky reaction, which was that the bears have absolutely no receiving talent outside of Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet. Obviously that's overblown. Chase Claypool still getting acclimated, but the fact like over the last two weeks, they've been like the only viable options in the passing game needs to change. I talked about that in the CCO bears uh, preview podcast that Nick and I did earlier today, but it's just if Justin Fields is going to grow into the quarterback that we all believe he can as a passer, he needs more than just one wide receiver and one tight end to go to because defenses can key in that way too easily. And you know what? That's actually a pretty good transition. I'll just go into my, uh, to be perfectly honest, I'm not really sure what the Bears are doing with their wide receiver core right now. Now, there's only so much they can do, and they went out and got Chase Claypool, which is way more than I thought they would because they almost never do moves like that. Ryan Poles is redefining what a Bears GM can do during the season, mm-hmm. which is actually kind of cool. But, you know, I get it. Yes, Velas Jones has had his issues with, obviously, the punts, and if you take the special teams out of it, how much does he have? There's been the rumors and discussions about him having trouble with the playbook. Is he grasping it fully? And that's why he, maybe he's not out there. You can't have both Chase and Bayless have tags on every play to be like, hey, this is what you need to be able to do in this in this game. Nikhil Harry wasn't active last game. Yes, I mean, he's a little bit of a one-trick pony. Does Chase Claypool make him redundant? But at the same time, he's supposed to be this great blocker, and I would rather see him than Equinemia St. Brown at this point, personally. like mm. I just There's just a lot of stuff going on with this wide receiver core. And if you're trying to truly develop Justin – find out what you have moving forward into next year, you'd think you'd let those two guys specifically, Velas Jones and Nikhil Harry play. So you know what you have. So that when you go into this off season with a buttload of money and actual draft picks, you, you could actually maybe like figure out what you're doing there. But right now we're just still no offense to Equinemius. He's a wide receiver four or five on a solid team. I don't need to see. I know what he is. I don't need to see more of that. 
Byron Pringle, yeah. I could justify it. But again, I'm like, I kind of know what you are. You're a wide receiver three when, when you have some good people in front of you. I don't need Dante Pettis. You were you came in like very, very late. I know what you are. I don't need to see you at all. Get out of here. You're only there because of punt returns. It's I just don't really get what they're doing. See, now you're now you're jabbing at me because I still like myself some Dante Pettis. <laughs> I, I, I don't think he's going to be your wide receiver one, two, probably even a three. But I do. I will. I like him at a four better than Equinamius personally. Uh, and I, I think he does come up in clutch situations. I know he's had like a drop or two that's really put a sour taste in a lot of Bears fans mouths. But there are times when he comes away with a big play, makes it makes it happen. And I was remember there's that one almost touchdown he had. I know it's an almost touchdown, but like the body control for him to like contort his body and bend it in all those different directions to almost come down with that pass to me still sticks out as one of those like wow moments uh, this season. But no, I get it. It's confusing. Uh, Valus Jones, like I'm torn because I, I want to see him out there and I've been very vocal all year, like how much excitement I still have for this kid. But at the same time, like holding him accountable is such a refreshing thing to see because you know, Mason, like this bears team, this coaching staff, they're not afraid to play young players. We see it on both sides of the ball, but the fact that they won't even allow him to be active on game days mm-hmm. shows like how behind he must be. And like, they're going to hold him to a higher standard to be ready for game days and understand his assignments, get those play calls in. Heck, if they're already tagging for Chase Claypool, like you said, and Valus, they're never going to break that huddle. And it'll be delay game after delay game. (laughs) Exactly. Like, you go here and you do the, oh my gosh, no, this is the NFL. You shouldn't have to. It's like when I watch my kid play and they're all in a huddle and the coach is in the huddle and it takes like 90 seconds to break that huddle. That's what it would feel like. Yeah, it's. I, so that part to me does make a degree of sense. It and this is this is a whole sidebar, but I, I truly do think with how college teams are run, some of them run a professional pro offense, but some of them really start running the spread style. You know, scat. Let's just get things in there. There needs to almost be like a a because they have the financial one, but there needs to be almost like a football literacy course to mm. help some of these players coming from the programs that are running like almost something that's high schoolish in a way mm-hmm. like it's just not quite NFL and there needs to be something more so for these coaches to be able to say like, okay, well, how do I teach this playbook that is complex to these wide receivers, quarterbacks, whoever maybe like who didn't really have to worry about that. Whose route tree was like three things. Like that's not really the, a lot of these players faults. I think it's almost a fault of the, you could almost say the educational system that right. is college football. Now you can tell me if I'm, going a little bit too far here, but is it that egregious? So like, let's use Valus for a perfect example here. Hey Jack, how's it going? Thanks, thanks for the shout out and the chat. Is it egregious to think though, like someone who was drafted in April and has been through your entire off season program to by the time we're in middle November, like how much, like, that's so much time to learn. That's Monday through Friday. You can take it home with you. You can still be in the playbook. I don't see much excuse for it at this stage. That's almost a half of year. And I know football at the professional level can get complex, but my God, it just seems like even if I had to learn some developmental code system like JSON or something, and I had six months, I think I at least would be relatively competent enough to like do a task. That was the sign to me. Oh, you're not wrong whatsoever. I mean, whether it's, you know, as soon as you get drafted, calling up the quarterback and like, can I get the number for Justin or can, so that we can like, you know, plan stuff. Like, hey, can I get Darnell's, you know, information so I can start to learn something? I mean, there's so many different ways that you can go about 
getting better at this. And, you know, I don't know Bayless personally. I don't know what he's doing and not doing. But you, like you're alluding to, you have to think that there may not be enough going on here in terms of what his efforts have been to truly dive fully into that playbook. Exactly. Uh, that's where my mind is 100%. Let me do my, to be a perfectly honest do segment it. here. And it's that this defense and Allen Williams has no clue what, who they are. And that's a team that has no pass rush. Like you can't rush with four. And I was so frustrated watching that game. And I know they had a couple key blitzes that worked, but by and large, they should have been doing that a lot more. Jared Goff is not a great quarterback and they made him look like an all-star there because he had a huge pocket to work with all day to throw. And once that happens, it's so easy for opposing offenses to find a lapse in coverage and make you pay. You'll find somebody open if you have four or five seconds. And I just want this team to say, you know what? We're a team that's going to have to blitz more times than we don't and allow them to beat our coverage down a guy or two. I'd rather see them try that and fail than just sit back and get picked apart because they think, or they're hoping they can get any sort of pass rush with the front four. Cause it's just not happening. I don't understand this lack of self-awareness Mason. Yeah, and it's it's multifaceted, like you're talking about, right? Like, for one, you, you can see why they went out and got Taco Charlton, who, former first-round draft pick, who's bounced around teams and was on the Saints practice squad, so not really expecting a lot from him. Um, but you can see why they went and got that, because they're saying, we don't have the, we don't have the men to do this. We, we don't have people that can get after the quarterback. So it's hard to set up a defense when you don't have that. But at the same time, if you don't have that, why not, you know, create creative pressures you can still bring four but bring it from elsewhere right you know and do different things just like you were just talking about and so yeah it was funny i one of my things i was going to do potentially for this segment was the discussion of the first half defense compared to the second half defense and how they're just so vastly different in terms of yards allowed scoring things of that nature even this game they gave up 21 points in the fourth quarter but one was the pick six um mm -hmm. and then even the other two were understandable in the circumstances to a degree, I still think that 90 play, 90 play, geez, that would have been the world's longest drive. The 90-yard scoring drive that they had late in the fourth quarter to take the lead, mm, it still just rubs me the wrong way. You shouldn't allow an offense to walk down the field. And I know there's like penalties and refs and all this goes into it, but I don't know, Mason. It's just frustrating because, I mean, this isn't Bears football. Right. We're seeing an offense put up points. We're seeing a defense give up a lot of yards and a lot of points. And honestly, I'm loving watching the offense. But when the defense is on the field, watching them resemble the 2013, 2014 defense, man, talk about sour taste in their mouth earlier. Like that's one that like every day, I don't care if it's today's Thursday, it's been four days. Like I'm still pretty pissed off about that, too. Well, we've been a little negative so far, so I think it's time to find a little humor, something that we were a little more joyful with regarding that last game. What did you have for this section, Will? Uh, two things. Uh, one was the very first play of the game uh, when they did that little read option and allowing Justin to run to the outside. It just made me laugh because he came off an historically great performance on the ground, and the Lions apparently didn't expect him to run that ball. Like He had all the, all the room in the world to operate. So that was really fun. Uh, and then the second one that just made me chuckle was when I just saw how wide open Cole Komet was on that long touchdown play and like how uh, I'm even forgetting the name of the safety now that they have that got totally turned around. But like he was looking 
towards the Bears bench, and Cole Komet was breaking towards the Lions sideline, and there was like 20 yards of separation between them, and he had no idea where Cole went. It was like looking around for him. Like, oh, oh, he I'm was working. so lost. He, it was that was pretty comical. But again, kudos to Luke Getzey for the play design, the play call, and for everyone on the field for executing that too and setting it up prior uh, with a very similar look when which they kept it on the ground with the three tight ends on the field. So those are what I found pretty humorous. I, I did really like that play call in terms, like you said, the setting up of it, right? You 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 layer these plays in week after week, even in, within the game, and then when you feel the time is right, calling it at the right time, right? Because the timing of it is so important. And that's something that we never felt when we talked about it last year, the last couple of years with Matt Nagy and Bill Lazor, like there was just never a feel for the game. And so mm-hmm. far, it seems like he has been finding his way after a rough start to the year. Absolutely. I have been so pleased ever since that mini buy. Heck, Mason, we have an actual bye week coming up still way later, but imagine what they can do within the full bye week if we're still having the ramifications, positive ramifications from this, you know, quote, mini buy. I mean, at that point, Justin's going to be going super saiyan. I don't know how your league's <laughs> going to be able to handle that. Um, they can't my, handle them now. My humorous is at the end of the day, weapons matter. Um, according to Bill Zimmerman at Zimmerman SXM, when Fields targets Komet or Mooney, his yards per attempt is 8.3, completing 66% of his passes with first down rate of 36%. When he targets anybody else, it dropped the attempts drops to 6.4. The completion rate goes down to 53%, and the first down rate goes down to 25%. So again, I say weapons matter, and you should mm-hmm. surround your quarterback with good weapons. Yeah, I mean, that goes right into like my sub knee jerk reaction when I mentioned like you have to find some production outside of those two players and it hasn't been there. And I thought you said we're going to be positive here. That was pretty positive. I'm happy. Like I'm like, so here, okay. I've been on the commit train for so long and defending Cole Komet where oh, I this know. offense was so broken ever since he got here. And he's no, he's not the most athletic tight end, but if he had opportunities and actually maybe your offense could get to the red zone, he'd be able to get it. Yes. When you get there once every three games and then you target him and he has one, you know, a drop in the end zone, it's going to look terrible. And he had zero touchdowns, but when you get there more consistently, because you have a competent offense in, which is insane considering the lack of weapons and the offensive line issues and a good play caller and a, you know, Timothy at quarterback, then yes, Cole Komet can actually do some good. And I think he's a solid tight end. And I've said that since he got here. Yeah, I know you have. We had quite the conversations last year because I was starting to get soured out. But, you know, I held like even this offseason, I was in a very similar boat like the man needs to score. And and I think that was quite obvious. But the fact that he's had five now in three games, which is the second most catching touchdowns by a tight end this season. And he's done it in a three week span. It's pretty remarkable. And I'm happy for him. And I hope obviously that's not sustainable that's not going to be a week in week out sort of production from him and if it is he can definitely prove me wrong and i'm not going to complain but still like this should give him the confidence of like hey i belong i am a tight end one and i think that can have a long-term impact as the bears continue to build this offense not just for the rest of this year but like moving forward yeah and we just have to hope that commit can play this week we'll talk about that when we get to the, mm-hmm. to the injury section talking about injuries concussed corner something we did not like from the last game a decision so odd that this decision maker must be concussed. I'm going to keep mine simple. I don't know that they read the scouting report on Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, the, the first half was absolutely crazy. He was just running all over the place. I love Amon Ross St. Brown as a receiver. I really do. I liked him coming out. I had him 
hopefully somehow making it to the Bears. I didn't think it would actually happen obviously, for obvious reasons. Um, I have him on a couple fantasy dynasty leagues and all that stuff. But like, you know where the man is. Like, you, uh, read the scouting report. It's absolutely insane that he had as many receptions as he did, especially in the first half. Yeah, and I think he caught all but one of his targets. It was over 140 yards. And he is literally the Lions' only legitimate receiving threat because of some of their injuries going on on their offense, too. And the fact that they allowed him to just be that easily involved makes no sense. Like, pull Bill Belichick, take away their best player, and force them to beat you another way. I didn't think that was relatively complicated whatsoever i think even like in my preview show podcast like i i mentioned like yeah you're gonna have to stop him but like that was it like it's obvious we don't have to dive into the why because it's apparent he is by and large the man in which the offense goes through just freaking guard him but you're right like i i think what would that be alan williams probably a little concussed because that game plan was not up to snuff what about you what was your concussed corner thought well, flip sides of the ball, Mason. End of the game. The Bears have a chance to march down the field and take a lead. Things weren't going great, right? Like they went backwards uh, five yards. It took them like five plays to actually just go like a few yards. And it's like, okay, this drive isn't working. Yet there aren't really many incomplete passes here. They're keeping it underground because of Justin. He got sacked. Why are you allowing the clock to keep going? Why did oh. we go from over two minutes down to like a minute ten? Why did it take until third and 15 to call your first timeout? You had three timeouts. You only need a field goal to win. The timeout management and utilization or the lack thereof by Coach Matt Eberflus at the end of the game baffled me because that offense was discombobulated. They weren't doing anything to threaten that Lions defense in that final drive. And that fourth quarter, that Lions defense had all the momentum. I think after the first negative player, the fact that they only got a few yards on their first three plays, I would call a timeout, reset, what are they doing, and let's find another way to move this ball downfield because whatever they were trying to do wasn't it. And the fact that they just kept lining up and running another play without thinking about it when you have three timeouts to work with, two minutes to work with, and you just need a field goal to win, I don't know, man. I feel like if I was playing Madden, I would have been calling timeouts, and that's just a video game. Yeah, this year, Iberflus has been pretty good, I feel like, with, with his timeout management and actually with some of those general decisions. But I agree. This last one was weird. It, you were kind of your back was against the wall a little bit. You seemed discombobulated. You know, call a timeout. Let, and that's the thing, too. Like, Getsy just seemed like he reverted a little bit on that play drive. I, I didn't love some of the play calling was a little conservative. Not just that last one, but the one before that, too. Mm-hmm. It, it was... <clears throat> As a whole, the coaches need to get, I think, on a different page. And a timeout would have, I think, gone a long way. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you, obviously. That's why I brought it up. I saw Nomad in the chat mention, because we're talking about uh, St. Brown, the good St. Brown, the one in the Lions, uh, how we're talking about his ability to pick apart the defense and that zones are easily picked apart when he can't play a pass rush. Trust me, Mason and I know this. Top of the episode, we ripped that front seven to shreds. Uh, So if you missed it, if you want to hear of us complain, uh, about the lack of pass rush, uh, I'm not going to leave you disappointed. Yeah, no, no bueno. And that is going to bring us to our jaw-dropping stat. Either the previous game or the next game, just looking, <laughs> looking ahead, trying to see what stat really blew us away. Will, what'd you have? All right, so mine's actually season long, Mason, because you said jaw-dropping stat, and I wanted to see your draw. Oh, your draw, your jaw hit the floor, and you try to pick it up. It's going to be impossible to do so with this stat. So 
this season on passes 10 to 19 yards down the field. Oh, sorry. Damn it. This is another stat. Over the last four weeks, Mason. <laughs> over the last month, Mason. Screw the whole season. Over the last month, Mason. In those passing passing attempts between 10 and 19 yards down the field, Justin Fields' passer rating isn't good and isn't even great. It's literally perfect. 158.3 on throws 10 to 19 yards down the field. Like, what more could you ask for from a guy? Like, that is insane. That's four weeks worth of throws. And he has a perfect passer rating past the sticks. That's nutty. And which defenses are a part of those four weeks? Well, let's see. We had the Lions, the Dolphins. Let's go back a week. Was it? We have Cowboys. Was that it three Cowboys, weeks ago yeah. already? Cowboys, I believe. And then was it the Patriots a part Patriots. of this still? So yeah. it's been a long, it's been a long month because <laughs> I'll give you that one because the Patriots game almost feels like it's been a few months away already. I was in Disney during that game. Yeah, that seems like forever ago. Um, mm-hmm. but the, the reason I bring that up is at least two of those defenses, the Patriots and the Cowboys, are good defenses. I mean, like, yes, you can poo-poo the Dolphins and the Lions a bit, but like he it wasn't against schlubs at the beginning of, of this run mm-hmm. either. So we all got to keep that in mind. Yeah. Again, that's number one, the NFL. No one else has a perfect passer rating there. That's more than Jalen hurts more than Joe Burrow. Who are the next guys on the list? Like that's incredible company. Just an incredible stat all the way around. Now, you can pick up the draw Mason. You can, you can, you can bring I, I, one seriously, out. I, I was, I was so excited when you read that stat out loud. It was, it was awesome. And I've, I'm even more happy that for a couple, again, I talk about this all the time, but some of my fantasy teams where I stuck with having, keeping Justin on my bench, just waiting, 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 waiting. And I've unleashed in the last couple of weeks. And that just, it makes me very, very happy. Jaw drop and also smile at the same time. You had him last year too, hoping for the same, didn't you? I did. And that didn't work out. <laughs> no. So the fact that you did it two years in a row and it took almost half of this season to get there. Like, I just want to, you know, give you some praise and some kudos for your patience and your belief. And I am because that's pretty that's pretty remarkable and it's definitely paying off now. I am. I'm committed and it's just different. You know, we're going to do, of course, another sidebar. That's what all this entire show is always always is. But the things you see with him or you saw with him, even through the, the tough times last year, then into this year, I personally think were so different from the things you saw with Mitch. The things you saw, like even like when Jay was, I mean, obviously more established, but the things you saw that Jay was able to do, things you have seen with some of these new quarterbacks coming in, like it did, at least to me, feel more along the Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes route in terms of seeing things you didn't really understand how the heck is a person able to do that thing. Yes, it was surrounded by a lot of ugh, for a, by a combination of the other players and the team around him, or even sometimes stuff Justin did himself, but it's just there was something there and the fact that we're now finally getting this is awesome and yes this is not justin's final form the hope is that he that the pop the pass it gets even crisper and cleaner that you know the pick six doesn't happen again things like that but yeah it's it's a fun time to be a bearish fan even in a losing season isn't that weird like like the vibe between this year and the last couple of years even though the winds still aren't coming but like the fact that, like you said, we're excited, it shows you the importance of the quarterback position and getting it right and what that can do to like a morale of a fan base. And I still believe like if we're feeling this way and I know they're not winning and you know they want to win, but you know some of the players that believe they're there and as part of the core, uh, Cole Komet, 
Tevin Jenkins, players that you know that kind of mind Darnell Mooney. Like, imagine their level of excitement. The fact that Justin's being able to step up to this degree. Like, I know we're excited despite the wins and losses, but being in that building and knowing you're part of that future, not some of these fringe players or the ones that are only going to be here for you, those stopgap guys, like, you know that they're feeling that in their bones too. Oh, absolutely. And my jaw-dropping stat, and I cheated a little bit on this. It's my show. I can do this. Um, can. Is that I took a little collection of stats so Justin Fields has 749 rushing yards this season. That is more than the Chargers, who have 713, the Bucks, who have 707, and the Rams, who have 547. He also has more touchdowns than rushing touchdowns, excuse me, than the Packers, Colts, Texans, Commanders, Bucks, and Broncos. He has more rushing touchdowns than Christian McCaffrey. Obviously, Christian was injured for a while. Keep that in mind. He has more rushing yards than Dalvin Cook. He has as many passing touchdowns as Tom Brady, and he has a higher pass rating than Dak Prescott. That is, to me, pretty jaw-dropping. I love it. I, I just like that we both went with Justin, too. Like, that's, it's, I don't know. It just makes me so happy. Like, I still have been, like, in this, I think, like, a honeymoon phase in a point of, like, where I just don't believe everything we're seeing in, like, a good way. Like, it's so good, I can't comprehend what I'm watching. Not that I don't believe it's going to continue or anything. It's just, I've never seen this as a Chicago Bears fan literally since birth. Ever and it's baffling in the best way possible. But it's it's just so much fun. I'm gonna surprise you with a little segment. Old faces, new places. So the XFL draft happened recently. I don't know if you know that well. I did not. Okay. Well, all right. Well, the next question is probably gonna be even harder for you. Can you name any of the former Chicago Bears that were drafted to some of the XFL teams? Mm. I will there are one, two, three, four, five. Five, six. Six. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. Give me one second. Like literally. I'm not I'm not looking it up, I promise. Just, just gonna I'm Google what? we'll go XFL draft. No, I pro- I'm looking at last year's roster. How about that? Is that okay? That's fine. You're like good luck. It doesn't work, it doesn't even matter. Again, um, if you want to try that, go ahead. Let's see. Bilal Nichols by chance? I don't know if he's even no. in the league right now. Okay. Um, I have no freaking idea, man. Like, nope. I can Duke Shelley. No, he's on the Vikings. He is, but I was just harping on him. I have no idea. You hit me up because even looking at this roster, Ryan Nall. Come on, did Ryan Nall get drafted? No, I mean, I think Ryan Nall is a librarian somewhere. Oh, okay. And Maggie's going to sell cars again one day, but we'll get there. We'll get there. Now, nah, I don't know. You just right, you so just tell stuff. me because this is way more difficult than I thought it would be. Uh, so the Arlington Renegades drafted running back Demontre Tuggle, who was oh, on the wow. Bears yeah. training camp squad. I like Tuggle. I thought he had a chance to come in as like a third running back potentially, but like whatever. Um, the Orlando Guardians drafted cornerback D. Virgin. He was on the wow. Bears practice squad in December for a month before being waived in January. Okay. The St. Louis Battlehawks drafted two. Jonathan Alexander, safety, mm-hmm. and defensive lineman LaCale London. Oh, wow, LaCale. Yeah. Wow. Then the Seattle Drew Sea Dragons drafted wide receiver Kevin Shaw, who played at Liberty with Malik Willis. Again, was another receiver I thought could have a chance to sneak in as a six because of how terrible the Bears receiving core was this last summer. And last but not least, the Vegas Vipers drafted wide receiver Martavis Bryant. 
<laughs> who was like there if anyone yeah. forgot i honestly like you said it i was like oh yeah wow i don't know that shows you how desperate you know another league is for talent and how difficult it is to like i think have one of these secondary leagues and i think over time i really pray the xfl can be one of these successful ones because when we've talked about this a lot on podcasts but like some sort of developmental league huge for the NFL because guys just don't have the opportunity to actually go out there and play even having contracts where it's like, Hey, your practice squad guys can play in the XFL or another league would be really interesting to me. Uh, honestly, if you can just like, designate two guys to go play in the spring, that would be uh, an awesome development. But no, I, I think I would have never guessed any of those. So kudos. You literally got me stumped. I, I just happened to stumble upon that today and was like, you know what, this will be fun. But I, I'm there right there with you. I think I every single time there's a new league that pops up, I try to watch it because I'm like, yay, football, especially in the spring when you're wanting football. And then I get through about one or two games and I'm like, this is why I don't watch this because it's very hard <laughs> to watch, uh, which is surprising. You'd think that at least you'd be able to put out a college football-esque feel of a game, but it's not even that. It's, it's a bunch of guys slapped together um, who don't really – play well together it's a it's trying to use these really big professional thought processes and schemes with not the right manpower it's not enough money right i mean half the time they go mm-hmm. under there was that story was it whichever one of the leagues like you know they were guys were like literally kicked out of the hotel because it went under that day and they're like all right goodbye so wow it's, so it's it's tough and that brings us to our training camp roundup this is where we're going to go over some of the injuries thought processes that really the bare bones uh, of this show that kind of gets pushed to the back burner because <laughs> this year the Bears haven't had a ton of injuries. So I, I've had some pretty light lifting that I've had to do, which has been actually kind of nice. Um, yeah, no the, complaints. First, the first thing we're going to look at is at Cleo Herbert, right? He got thrown on the uh, on IR, so he's out for at least four weeks, and he uh, was diagnosed with hip. This is the only video available for the injury. That's it. Wow. That's what I could find. Um, because apparently, you know, it's impossible to get kick return film. Um, but what I was able to kind of per pull with from some other clips, pull together, da 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 da. Uh, I believe he has a hip flexor strain. Um, a, that's what, if it's the timeline that they're saying about that, putting him on IR, a short term IR, if it was going to be something labral, something deeper than that, uh, you'd think it's going to be probably, that would be season ending. You'd be getting surgery on that. Um, if it was obviously something like a fracture or things of that nature, same thing. So it's most likely soft tissue. And the way that even he was limping there to me makes me think hip flexor. So you're thinking iliopsoas, you're thinking brachis femoris, more likely iliopsoas. The question I have for you, Will, is let's say it's four weeks. Would you even bother bringing him back at this point? Or do you just say, you know what, we know you're, we need you for a brighter future that is 2023. And we'll just run with Monty and with Justin Ebner. It's a really good question. And I feel like if the Bears are even considering that, you may just see how the next four weeks go before you make a decision like that. And heck, if they lose the next four games, I'm not opposed to just stashing him for another season. We don't know if they're bringing David Montgomery back yet. Is Khalil Herbert going to enter next season as RB1? I mean, he's had more production per touch this year. Very similar to last year, but this is a coaching staff that's given them, given them extra chances 
more opportunities. They split that workload a bit, and he's still been able to exceed what David Montgomery's been able to do. And I know they're two entirely different backs, and I don't think David Montgomery is a bad running back by any stretch of the measure. Uh, it's just really just I think numbers don't lie in this scenario where Herbert's been more impactful. But see if they if they split it, if they go two and two, you bring them back. If you go zero and four, Mason. You just let them ride and you give Ebner some extra work. And maybe this is an opportunity for them to see what they have in Montgomery if as a featured back. But I don't think they're going to go that route in the future regardless. But I don't know. What would you do? You're asking me, but you're you're the host. What, do you, what would you do, Mr. Expert? I'm sitting him. Um, he, I'm saying, hey, man, that looks like a really bad injury. And yeah, why don't you just go on season ending IR? you know, rehab that the best you can. And then maybe take a swing at some someone that's out in the street. Like the Packers just cut uh, Kylan Hill, who mm-hmm. I actually really liked coming out of uh, the same draft as Herbert. Uh, he had an ACL injury before, and I guess uh, there was coming out of Packers land that there may be some more locker roomy kind of stuff going on. So you have to do some research on that. But uh, I don't need to see any more out of Herbert. Like you said, there's a good chance he could be RB1 coming into next year. I just, all you're asking for, even if you, let's say, let's even three and one somehow over these next games. I, I don't know what you're getting out of it. I mean, are you trying to sneak into the playoffs somehow and get a first round exit? I don't, I just don't see, is, I don't think the juice is worth the squeeze to me. I'm just going to move forward at that point. Um, one, one other question based off some of your other answers. Let's say you need a touchdown, right? It's fourth and goal from the one. You've decided you're going to run the ball. Are you handing that to Montgomery or are you handing that to Herbert? I'm running it with Justin. Option C, that wasn't on the list. But if I had to, if I had to give answer, you one. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, I thought so too. But I personally like Herbert more in those short yarded situations. I wish I had some splits that we can look into right now uh, on this. But I just feel like the eye test and just like going through my head of the Bears offense this season I feel like Herbert has been the more impactful back on these short situations and being able to convert at a higher clip. It's so funny. I think I agree with you like between the 25s. Like okay. I feel like he's just so much really dynamic there. Um, I believe if you look at next gen stats, you can see that uh, Herbert spends less time behind the line of scrimmage. He's more decisive. He gets going. I just, but then there's this other part of me that when I think back to this year and think about some of those goal line runs, like they've when they've run it with Herbert, I don't think he's converted as many of them as Monty. I don't have stats for that. This is just literally me looking, thinking back on it. But I mean, I don't know. I don't know why I have that thought process and feeling like that's like within the five, the five or the ten. It's just not as dynamic. See, now I'm going to start looking this stuff up in like like three seconds. But it's interesting how two people can remember things differently, right? Like that's and it shows you how brains really just operate and youth you're thinking of more positives about Montgomery and I was talking up Herbert and then my brain gravitates towards some of those Herbert runs and so now we're going to have to pull up some numbers as you talk about some injuries and <laughs> we're going to find out who's right and who's not Will's going to do some research but the last thing I'll say on that is I I'm I'm a huge Herbert fan obviously you knew that I was in the I'm yes. pumping the juice train constantly and I would probably run with Herbert as running back one next year, unless you could get Montgomery at a very, very team friendly contract, then I would do it. But other than that, I don't see a reason to go that route. So injuries, some of these are not 
the biggest thing to talk about, Kyler Gordon, full participant today. Fantastic. Love it. Let's get going. The ones, all of a sudden you see Dan Crookshank went from limited to did not participate. That's not great. When you see someone who is limited go to DNP and they were inside, I believe, today. So it wasn't even like an element issue. That's that's not good. That hamstring probably got acted, acted up tweaked. Tevin Jenkins didn't play participate again. Uh, I said last week that I thought he would be able to pull it out and be able to play. Uh, apparently that hip is way worse than we thought. Uh, potentially correlated actually to the back. Always a chance of that when you're looking at things that are that proximal in nature. Mm, good point. Unless, unless something big changes on Friday. I wouldn't expect him to play. So another show field moments coming up for you. Cole Komet limited. He had that knee to thigh hit um, as he was, had that crosser, which would have changed the game entirely if that hadn't happened. Yep. Um, inadvertent contact, nothing that you could really call there. But limited is good. I don't think he's out of the woods yet. Really have to see what Friday looks like. Um, even if he's limited on Friday, I'm not throwing him into my fantasy lineup right away. I'm waiting to see what it's going to ultimately like it's going to i think it's going to be a game time decision really dave montgomery back full participant personal great nothing to worry about alki muhammad didn't participate again with the knee that's a big concern i also think eh. he's going to be out again i mean it's it's a it's concern because concern- he's big in the run game pass game and eh. run game good but the run defense is eh, anyway so if he's a good part of a bad unit i understand it but I don't know. It's the I'm just so disappointed with the defensive line, the defensive ends this season all the way around. It's I just don't have any positive feelings towards Muhammad. Even no, Gibson's letting me down so much more than I thought he would this year. I was so excited for what he was going to be able to bring. I thought Gibson was going to take a jump. Uh, I really yeah. did. And then Kendall Vildor is back. Um, I it's whatever your feelings on Vildor are. I know he has become a bit of a punching bag on the defense. I, I like Vildor in terms of what he's been able to do here. He can play faster in this defense compared to what he had to do under the previous regime. So he's actually, I think, been a lot better. And it's going to be good to have him back, especially uh, with a unit that does have some interesting casts out there uh, regarding at receiver and tight end, a.k.a. he's just a giant receiver, and Kyle Pitts, even though he's used terribly. And we'll talk about that once we get to the next section. And then finally, Nikhil Harry, illness, who has no idea what he's got, but one would imagine that as, as long as it's not COVID related, he's going to be suiting up on Sunday. I, I do see a comment from I in am terms of the skins. Not a lot to talk about there. We good. You sorry, you got a little glitchy on go. my side. Yeah, there you go. But uh, apparently, Cole said that he'll be full go tomorrow. We'll see. I didn't hear that. I've been so busy. I'm going to sneak over. Here we go. Yeah, I did see that earlier today. I mean. I, t- I, I basically ignore what players say in the locker room and stuff like that, just because it's like <laughs> they never even when they say I'm going to be full go and then all of a sudden they're they're not playing. So if he's full, fantastic. I'll be very excited because, uh, again, I also I did pick him up in a couple of leagues because I did need tight end help um, in terms of the Falcons. Not much to talk about. People were for the most part there. Felipe Franks, if you care, who was a quarterback and now is a tight end for the Falcons, didn't participate. And. One person didn't play because of an injury, non-injury related matter. Ignore that and move on. So the Falcons are going to go in pretty much full strength. Unless it all right, yeah. There we go. Uh, we'll see how that all shakes out real quick. Mason, before we get moving, I hate to derail your show, but I have those stats. Oh, yes, please go. Okay. So inside the five, Herbert has six attempts, two touchdowns. Montgomery this season only has had two attempts inside the five yard line. One, and one of them was when he got like suplexed by uh, 
Yes. Uh, in Hutchinson. Yes. And then the other one was a score. So it's a 50% conversion rate. Herbert's is 33%. Exactly. (laughs) Sample sizes, though, so small. Inside the 10 in general, though, it's uh, tied at two touchdowns each. Inside the red zone, uh, let's see here. Herbert has four rushing touchdowns to Montgomery's two. So I, I think... Maybe it's not between the 25s. Maybe it is once you get down to 10 inside the five where you see Montgomery being a little bit more efficient. But regardless, I'm actually baffled by how small those sample sizes actually are. Right. It's just one of those things. It's like as soon as they get in the red zone, either they're kicking field goals. Let's be real. Uh, That was what a lot of the beginning of the year was. Or it's been recently. It's been Justin. Uh, Mm -hmm. So there just hasn't been a need. But we're going to take a quick break. And after that, we're going to preview the Falcons. Welcome back. Bare bones. I'm here with Will DeWitt. Will, we're going to start talking about the Falcons here. Overall record, 15 wins, 13 losses, zero ties. Bears are leading that. The Bears' last beating ended with that improbable Nick Foles comeback in 2020 when he told Anthony Miller to run to the L and everyone thought that the Bears were fixed and it was going to be miraculous and everyone was hunky-dory. Some other interesting facts. First-year referee Trey Blake and his group will be officials in Week 11 for anyone worried about officiating in that game. And the Falcons are coming off losses to the Panthers and Chargers with an overtime win against the Panthers before that. Will, do you have any thoughts on this game in general before we dive into any of our specifics? Hmm. Thoughts on this game in general is that this is a beatable team. The Lions were a beatable team. Actually, lately, every team's been beatable for the Bears. They just have been unable to finish these games. Uh, but when I look at this Lions, te- uh, Lions team, this Falcons team on both sides of the ball, like they don't really overly impress me. It would be like those general thoughts I can give you before we really get into some specifics. Yeah. Why don't we dive into our first section, which is our love it, hate it, rehabilitate it, where today Will and I are going to pick a matchup, a player, a thought process, a scheme that we love. One we hate and one that we would fix because this is an injury slash rehabby whatever show. So I have to make it seem that way. Now, for Will, what do you love about this game? Ooh, what do I love about this game? By the way, great graphics on the screen. I was pulling up my notes for this section and then I just caught the end of it. But those are uh, really cool bears. So I, I like that a lot. That's really neat. Uh, what I love uh, about this game is the Bears matchup against this Falcons pass defense because they've just been very weak this year. They allowed the second highest completion percentage in the league, the third most passing yards per game, the second most yards per pass attempt, which Justin, as we know, pushes the ball down the field. And I gave you the doll dropping stat about the intermediate range. They've also given up the most passing first downs per game, almost 14 of those. And they don't have a lot of pass rush, Mason. Uh, the second fewest sacks per game on the year. They've averaged less than a sack per game over the last three weeks. A.J. Terrell has given up seven passing touchdowns in coverage. Uh, I know the Bears have been very ground first, but if we if there's ever been a matchup for Justin of this, you know, rip it and sit back and air it out and grow as a passer, I think this is the week to do it. So that's what I love is that Falcons pass defense and their inability to cover. Yeah, I said that last week against the Lions and, I know. I, me too, man. Me too. What I love is just Justin against this Falcons rushing defense. The Falcons rank 25th in defensive rushing DVOA. They have allowed 
150 yards to the Saints, 177 to the Browns, 169 to the Panthers, and 232 to the Panthers in four of their games this year. And that isn't taking Justin into account. You know, who I, they also, if you look at their their depth chart, I mean, they don't really have a ton of horses on that defensive side that you're going to look at and be like, yeah, that that cat's going to keep up with Justin on the edge, or even that, or even <laughs> or even Monty or any of that nature. I mean, their their defense is just bleh. I mean, it's just as bleh as the Bears is, to be completely honest. So yeah, mm-hmm. I just think Justin's going to have another good game on the ground, and hopefully, with yours also would translate also to the air. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, if you can continue to run the ball like you have, like it should theoretically open up plays uh, through the year, but we'll see. We'll see. Cause like you, I had a very similar feeling entering last week and that did not come out the way to fruition. I mean, we've had, we had impactful plays through the air, but I thought they'd pass way more than they actually did. And I'll just take jump off to my hate. It's, it's, it's related. The bears rushing defense against this Falcons rushing attack. The bears rank 26th, right? I mean, literally one spot after the Falcons and defensive rushing DVOA and they've, the Falcons really haven't mustered a lot of points. I mean, they've had 15, 17, and 37 in the last three games, but they rely on the run to set up their pass game because in those three games where they rushed, they had 47 attempts for 232 yards and two touchdowns, 35 for 201 and two, and 37 for 167 and zero. So they're definitely heavy in the run. They've had Corderell Patterson back now. He hasn't been super efficient, which actually I have a stat, I believe, later, um, but he's hasn't really used been able to do a ton but they do have a really good rookie in algier he's he's pretty solid on the ground and they really rely on that rush game and that play action in order to make their passing concepts work man high five we're in a very similar boat here because i hate that four-headed monster that they have in atlanta in, in terms of people who can run the football you have mariota huntley patterson algier as you mentioned they have four players all four of them have had 60 or more rushing attempts this season all four of them average more than 4.3 yards per carry. And they've combined for 15 touchdowns on the ground. And what I think is going to make things difficult for the Bears is that they all do something a, a little bit different, right? Patterson, he's a little bit, you know, he's quick in space. He can make you miss. Although this season I've seen him run over people. Like, where the hell was that when he was in Chicago, when he was running straight up? He actually learned how to lower his shoulder. I'm proud of him for that. Uh, Caleb Huntley. Same thing. He could run over guys. Algier is a physical fastback too. And Mariota and his ability. And again, he's not nearly as dynamic as a rusher as fields, especially at this point of his career, but he's effective enough and quick enough with the bears inability to get after a passer inability to contain the edge to go out there and make some damage done with his feet too. So just, Again, like you, I don't like this matchup of the Falcons uh, on the ground. And they run the ball the fourth most in the league. The Bears are the first, uh, but they run it the fourth most. Uh, They don't want to throw the football. They're not great at passing the football. They want to keep it on the ground. And against this Bears defense, like they should be able to, unfortunately. So keep going. What would you rehabilitate in order to give the Bears a better chance at winning this game? Um, well, let's see. I, I don't know if these exactly play off one another, but for me, I, I still, if, if we're looking at last week and something specific from last week that I want to change, because that's how I took the segment when I did my notes, is this pass defense and, and better coverage in the most specific way possible is play action coverage. Because last week they got carved up on play action. Golf is 10 of 13 and a touchdown uh, on these play fakes because I understand that this defense has a lot of younger people on it, uh, like, you know, like Jack Sanborn and other players. So 
they're going to kind of get bought out. But like with Mariota and his ability to have that extra wrinkle, because you saw the Lions even like try, I'm going to like at least show an RPO or like a read option with golf. And you're like, he's not a rushing threat. Why are you doing this? It's because the Bears are over aggressive on defense. They over pursue, they get out of their gaps and it allows for open rushing lanes or, or if they get sucked up on that and bite on that fake then easy passing windows down the field so for me like that's what i want to rehab from last week to this week is better coverage because like i said this falcons offense they're not great at throwing the football but if they have the same kind of soft coverage that i've seen over the last couple of weeks whether it be the dolphins whether it be the lions then Mariota's gonna have some easy uh targets and that's like the last thing that you want to do is give them any confidence actually passing the ball because right now they're they're scrounging and looking for any i like that mine is uh to add a few concepts to their rso which is their run screen option and also to their play action game so if you actually um if you're a fan of football fan of you know some deeper quarterback really should check out jto sullivan from the qb school he does some great stuff and in his last uh, video on his patreon where he dove heavily into this game with justin he talked about that run screen option where he talked wanted to have them on the back side because what they do is right Justin has the ball either he's going to run right away or do a play action and on the play side you have a screen on the back end what they've been doing is you know either the receivers just kind of blocking or they're running a go route just kind of clear more space he is suggesting well why don't we bring in you know a quick pass like a slant or something on that side so there could be an option depending on what that coverage is in order to hit a quick pass off of that the other thing that I think I would also want to bring in is a play action for a quarterback run. Have Justin pretend like he's running the ball, right? Especially as you're getting more tape and they're trying to see what his mechanics are when he's going to just go take off and do one of those quick little pop passes. Like you could see that ease work very easily possibly to a commit, uh, definitely to like a, maybe Equinacea and Brown coming across the middle. Just we're starting to get a little more multiple off of these quarterback runs that you've been generating. Yeah, I mean, that's what makes quarterbacks with the athleticism and the ability to make plays like Justin so dangerous. It's not just the plays that he actually goes downfield and makes something happen with his feet. It's like if he's rolling out and if he can sell that run and you suck up a corner or a safety, man, you can find someone in a busted coverage and they can just go out there and make a big play. It opens up those passing lanes that with a receiving core, as we've already mentioned, outside of Mooney, outside of Komet, has had a very difficult time gaining separation, getting open, making plays. That will allow them to have some slightly easier opportunities because they're selling out on a Justin Fields run. So I like that a lot. Very cool. Glad we're on the same page. And then next we have our X Factors. So for the Bears and for the Falcons, what they need to do to win this game. Will, what is your X Factor for the Bears? I love all these different bear graphics. Like there's not like a uniform consistency, but like, I don't know what to expect. And that one just felt like a stock old, like 1990s animations kind of bear. That was really awesome. Uh, That's literally what I was going for. I just wanted to like, look like something you would have gotten off of like Microsoft word when you were doing a project back in like Mm -hmm. middle school. Exactly. No, that's what it looks for. Made me chuckle. Uh, That was something that I found humorous. Uh, So for me, uh, X factor for the bears, really is there i think their ability to throw the football this week and spread the wealth as i already mentioned uh the fact that like, they're having a lot of in uh, non-production outside of Komet and mooney and i think you know for the bears if they want to get claypool involved and this is a good week for it to happen but we all know the bears can run the ball 
but I mentioned the Falcons' lack of pass defense. If the Bears can't pass the ball on this defense, I think there are some problems here. And we know there are some anyway, but I feel like they could be exasperated uh, just a little bit. But if they can't pass the ball and they only can stick to the ground, uh, I feel like the Falcons tackle well enough that if they sell out to stop the run, things can be a little bit more difficult than we come to expect here when you're looking at this matchup. So the bears need to be able to pass the ball effectively to keep their ground game open. And just, I think selfishly, I want to see them succeed through the air here this week. What about you? Mine is, yes, it's about this week, but for me, it's more about the season as a whole, just because I think it's important to mention it's about keeping Justin healthy. He literally mentioned at the end of last game, like how, you know, someone asked him in that post game press, how are you feeling? He talked about how his legs felt pretty heavy. He's put doing a lot, right? I mean, when you're a traditional running back, even if in a very heavy run game, if you're talking like over the last 10 years or so, maybe you get the ball 50% of the time, maybe. But like he literally has the ball every single play and is still running for 100 plus yards. That's a lot of wear and tear. Now, I think he's in great hands. The Bears are handling it much better. If you missed out last week, we did, I did an interview with Dr. Michael Risher, uh, chiropractor and sports performance specialist who worked with Justin Fields. So we'll go back and listen to that if you want to hear a little bit about what they're doing to keep him going. So I, like I said, I know he's in good hands to stay help, as healthy as possible. But as this year continues to go on, while I'm excited by everything Justin's doing, as kind of Will talked about, I would like that pass game to get bigger as well so that he doesn't have to run for 150 mm-hmm. yards in order for them to score 30 points, that you can get some of those bigger chunk gains right with a 30 yard pass with a 20 yard pass, et cetera, just open that up a little bit. So yeah, keep Justin healthy because if Justin goes down, I don't know what I'll do with myself. Uh, Same. Like that would, that just put me into depression mode. Just thinking about it. Thank you uh, for that. But like, it's multifaceted because it's number one, like these receivers do need to start gaining separation. And I feel like I've seen Justin grow in his ability to read a defense and go through his progressions this year. It's just that the lack of separation is quite apparent and then also pass protection like the lions i know you have aiden hutchinson but outside of him like they haven't been a overly aggressive defense and getting after quarterbacks yet yet again for another week justin's hitting the back you know back of his drop and there's already two guys barreling down on him so the passing plays are being called they just aren't able to be executed because of poor pass protection and Justin's just so damn good of moving around in the pocket. And then he knows how dangerous he is when he actually takes off. And he has that confidence where he's just going to default and do that. So if they have good pass protection, this should be a week, like I was mentioning, where they could go out there and should be able to pass through the ball, keep him healthy. You mentioned the heavy legs. The quote that I heard when I was sitting in that room and I asked him how you're feeling. And I don't know why no one talked about this, but he says, I'm hurting pretty bad right now. Yeah. Like, I didn't like hearing that. That worried the hell out of me. I know he took some shots. He ran a guy over, but for him to go out there, and I appreciate the honesty and the transparency, but for him to be like, yeah, I'm hurting pretty bad. Like, that's the last thing I want to hear from Justin in the postgame presser. I want him to feel, obviously, it's a football game. You're not going to feel 100%, but like for him to just be like, yeah, I'm I'm in pain. And he already sat his locker for how long? 45, 50 minutes before he got to that press conference room. Like, I saw him in the locker room and, you can tell he was kind of kicking himself in the ass for that pick six. And he is, you, you, you can fucking feel, sorry. Oh God. Uh, you can feel that. <laughs> I don't know what your policies are on words. No, so right. You, can, you can swear on this show. It doesn't matter. That's good. See, like I, you know how clean I usually am behind a mic. So like that one actually surprised me, but like you can feel like how upset he was that this team continues to lose. And I so just resonate with that as a fan of this team over the years. I so just, 
I don't know, it pumps me up to have a quarterback that really deeply cares about these wins because did you really feel that about Mitch? Did you, you, you really mean the smoking Jay? You, you don't think he cares? Yeah. Did you did you really feel about Jay, you know, don't care Cutler? Not so much, but to see a a player on this team, let alone the future franchise, the current franchise quarterback care that much fires me up. Well, and you were obviously, you were there, you were talking about it. Well, I'm sure you could attest to how much also the, the mental part of that, the emotional part of that, having a game that let down the way it did probably also presented itself in that physical manner. Right. It's mm-hmm. very different standing there at the podium and the feeling of that beat upness when you're coming off that win, when you let a game winning drive versus no, I let one slip. Yeah, I mean, I think that's human nature, right? You go out there and get a win, that adrenaline's pumping, and, and adrenaline. You're, you're the you're the the doctor here, man. But like you, you can attest like that has powers, and that can definitely block pain and those receptors. Uh, if I know my science correctly, but yeah, you're absolutely right. There's a very uh, psychological reason why it could be feeling a little bit worse after a loss versus a win. Moving over to the Falcons. What do the Falcons have to do in order to win this? For me, it's simple. It is to stop him. That's, that's it. Like, if the, the, that's what they have to do. If the Falcons somehow figure out a way to contain Justin, to get him, in theory, maybe back to what we saw at the beginning of the year or even in the last year, then they have a chance of pulling this out. Because we saw, you know, in the last three games, they scored 15, 17, and 37. The 37 was against the Panthers. Blah. Um, in that 15 17, they're, they're not a high octane offense. You know, at least the Lions at the beginning of the year, they were actually had some of the most explosive plays of anyone in the league for whatever reason. And they were able to continue that with the Bears uh, with some of those sustained drives that they had that were multiple plays, multiple yard, uh, long yards. Uh, I don't see the Falcons being able to do that. So if Justin can continue to put up 30 ish points for this game, they, there's no way that the Falcons can keep up with that, even as bad as the Bears defense is. So you had to stop him. I, I put two because I think there were multiple X factors, but the second one I put literally is in my notes, Mason. I put in your in your outline. Stop Fields, LOL, <laughs> is, is what I put down. So we're very much on the same page. And I think for any opponent against the Chicago Bears, that is an X factor, and that's going to be a priority for that team. Uh, I think though, my official X factor for you this week is going to be that Falcons rushing attack. And in particular, their ability to get into third and manageable because the Bears don't want to get them in third and five or less because if they have the chance to pick up the first down on the ground, they've proven that they can do that. You want to put this game in Marcus Mariota hands. You want them to be third and seven plus. Force them to have to beat you through the air on third down because what I've seen so far this year uh, with their lack of pass protection, and I know the Bears don't have a pass rush, uh, but I don't care. I'm just going to say their lack of pass protection and their lack of real receiving threats. Drake London's been fantastic for him. Kyle Pitts, they don't have much chemistry, Mariota and him. He will force some throws. He will give defense chances in these situations. So for them, they want to avoid that at all costs. They want to get into third and manageable, make you think they can run it. Maybe they'll pass it. And that inability to really key in on one will make it life difficult for this Bears defense, which we have mentioned. And you have said, bleh, you are turning into a Dracula here on the show here, Mason. But for me, uh, I think that's going to be my X factor for the Falcons, just being able to run the ball effectively and get yourself into third and manageable. And I'm glad you brought up Kyle Pitts. 
you know, he's someone, whether you're looking at it, maybe you're a Falcons fan. Uh, obviously, there are, there's a lot of Chicagoans living in, in Atlanta, too, because I'm, so I'm sure that'll be a big Chicago Bears attendance there. Uh, or maybe you're someone who cares about fantasy football, like I do, and you have Kyle Pitts on a fantasy team, unfortunately, like I do. He has been a massive disappointment. Um, if you're curious as to why, part of it is what Will said in terms of the chemistry of it with Marcus Mariota. And there's a lot, just some deep stuff in there. Some of it's the way the offense is built. Some of it is Pitts himself. Uh, Brent Coleman. K-O-L-L-M-A-N did a really good breakdown on what he was seeing with breaking down the film. So I would really suggest before this game happens, go watch that because that way you could kind of get an idea of how this uh, Falcons offense works and what the Bears defense is going to have to be going up against. Offensive player of the game. I'm going to keep mine simple. I think it's Chase Claypool. I refuse. I'm not giving this to Justin Fields because it's too obvious. Oh, you do that uh, too, right? Like it's, it's, just, it's so obvious. Uh, so Chase Claypool, um, I think between what he does in terms of pulling attention, hopefully maybe a little bit away from Darnell and opening that for Darnell is very important. And I do expect, as we've we've seen this week, it seems like he is getting more of the playbook each and every week. And so hopefully then he can do more routes. Um, there was a little tidbit that he may have gotten a little nick or an injury during that last game. So he missed a good chunk of snaps in the middle there. So he only had, I believe, 19, which is still pretty mm-hmm. low. Hopefully he's getting up to maybe the 30 snap count sooner rather than later. I would love to see it. Uh, I'm still very high on Chase Claypool and what he's hopefully and what I believe he will provide this Bears offense sooner, hopefully, than later. Uh, But I still believe in his talent and his ability to click with fields and unlock what we saw to Claypool in his rookie season. I really think that's still there and the Bears should be able to find a way to rekindle that magic that he displayed in 2020. Uh, For me... Man, I wish I could say Cole Komet. Like that has been that would have been a great easy one. We just don't know what this this what it's a thigh contusion most likely. Is That's that what, what I'm thinking. With? Yeah, from, from what I saw yeah. on the front tape. Yeah, well, I mean, he got drilled. Like, ooh, man, that one that one looked like it hurt. A grown man's knee is full speed. It's getting you right there. Yeah, I wouldn't want that. I'm gonna go with David Montgomery because no Khalil Herbert. Someone's gonna have to step up, and Herbert and Montgomery have been almost 50 50 in rushing attempts. Which, if you and I had this conversation a year ago or in the off season, and we would have said mid-November, Montgomery and Herbert would have nearly identical rushing attempts. I think both of us would have been elated because yeah. that's what we've been asking for. But without Herbert, I feel like it goes back to Montgomery being the bell cow, the workhorse, and then Ebner is just going to be a guy that comes out there in some spell situations. I don't expect it to be 50-50. Ebner has not proven anything yet to warrant that kind of workload. Uh, so for me, Montgomery should have a pretty big positive impact on this Bears offense against this Falcons defense. And I think I mentioned it earlier in the show, and I haven't yet. They've been pretty towards the bottom of the league over the last three weeks, giving up like 160 some odd yards per game on the ground. Uh, so for me, it's the, the matchups there too. So we're going to go with Demo. I like it. I, for defensive player of the game, I went with uh, Kyler Gordon. Uh, reason I'm saying Kyler is because of how the Falcons like to get their pass plays going. A lot of them come from the slot. Um, so I, you know, he's been kind of popping in and out, sometimes outside, sometimes inside. I think, and I think they're going to go after him to an extent. I mean, Marcus Mariota is a veteran, is a veteran. Uh, he should still go after in theory, the weakest link. Uh, I think this is a, there's just something about this matchup to me that makes it seem like they're going to go at Kyler and that I think he's going to make a play or two that's going to say, oh, okay, that's why he was 
the Bears first pick in the second round. Love it. Uh, I appreciate confidence in Kyler because uh, I think he has played better. The last couple weeks aren't really a great indicator, but the whole defense has been so bad over the last couple weeks. It's not Kyler Gordon that's been bad. It's the entire unit. I'm going to go with Jack Attack Sanborn here for the defensive there player of the go. game. Jack Attack, uh, what is it? Jack Sackborn is what I tweeted last week too. Whatever it is, uh, he is going to have a very crucial role in, in this game with the Falcons and their desire to keep the ball on the ground. Uh, I saw a lot of good things that they were able to accomplish uh, against the Chargers defense a couple of weeks ago, both inside runs and off tackle. And Jack Sanborn needs to be able to flow to either edge and go out there, force plays inside or go in and, and, and make a tackle. And as I mentioned, like a pass rush, I want to see him blitz him a, a little bit more, but it just to me smells like a matchup in a week going up against an offense and their identity that should lead right into Sanborn's hands. And he should finish with a team high of tackles again, hoping he gets a few of those behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, and at the end of the day, if he is making the jobs easier of the safeties behind him, and so they don't have to do so much work of being run defenders, I think that has a lot of positive ramifications for the Bears defense. And of course he had the interception that should have counted last week, if you're asking me. So Jack Sanborn, I, I think can be that player of the game for this Bears defense. Did you know Mason that Eddie Jackson is like literally seven tackles away from his career high already? I had no idea. Seriously. That's how busy he's had to be just with wow. the lack of the front seven actually showing up in front of him. Like I, I appreciate Eddie going out there and getting some of these tackles, but he should not be, this close to a career high in November 17th. And then it also adds, he, he, I owe him an apology. A lot of Bears fans owe him an apology. I mean, while yes, he definitely had his downtime um, after the contract, but we you know we later found out that there was a death in his family that, that we were just very unfortunate and definitely played upon him. But, you know, he has turned it around 180 degrees. He is doing everything and anything that you want from from your safety it, it's just astounding what what he's now doing yeah it really is and it's i, I think him being a better place emotionally mentally uh, a coaching staff that believes in him challenges him because I, I think once fangio left he didn't have anybody in this building that really challenged him they looked at him as like a, a given like a gimme like oh we got eddie jackson but Fangio and Ed Donatel were like, they're tough coaches. Like they will push you. And he didn't have that. But I think he has that now with his principle and the philosophy and what he's asked to do on a daily basis, taking that leadership role and having Jaquan Brisker next to him. I think has really been a big help to have that uh, an actual safety by him that has a complementary skill set that the offenses have to worry about. And not like a Tashawn Gibson or a ha ha Clinton Dix. Like he actually has a tandem partner yet again, like he did with Amos. And that leads us to our King of the North or our MVP of this game. Mine simple. It's Justin Fields for all the reasons we said over the last hour and 10 minutes. How about you? Will? am I allowed to say Justin Fields and keep <clears throat> it simple? Yeah. You're allowed to say Justin Fields. Like, here's the thing. I, I'm going to say something crazy that it's sound homery. If the, if this had happened a little sooner, right, and if the Bears just had a better record, he could let, he could be up for MVP because mm -hmm. of how important he is to this team, and like literally how he is the entirety of the reason why they have had thirty points averaging more or less over the last four games and all that. But it just happened late. We needed a mini bye week, and unfortunately, the rest of the team is not good, so their record sucks. Yeah, no, you're one hundred percent. I mean. 
if Justin, if like if we had this winning team, he's out there breaking Michael Vick's record, breaking his own Bears records back to there's no way he's not in that conversation and what he's on pace to do and potentially break Lamar Jackson's rushing record for a season. It's, it's simply remarkable. And I, and I wish that there was a better surrounding cast, better results around him to get more, maybe that national recognition uh, to that level that you mentioned, but in due time, Mason, we're going to get there and it's going to be amazing when we do. I'm so excited for it. That's going to bring us to our over unders rapid fire through these a little bit. Basically, Let's see. Oh, yeah. 100 rushing yards for Justin Fields. Over, under. Over. Yeah, you can't say under. You literally can. You're betting the over until you're proven otherwise. Mm-hmm. 0.5 touchdowns for a receiver not named Darnell Mooney. Under until proven otherwise. That's so bad to say, but yep. Yeah. Uh, four receptions for Kyle Pitts. Under. He said, I think he said two in the last two games. That's nothing good. 50 combined rushing receiving yards for Cordero Patterson. Over. It's going up against the Bears. And he's going to say something at the end to their social media team, like how about them Bears, and like laugh it off. And it'll, it'll be like old times, but the, the meaning will be totally different. Yeah, he said since he's come back from IR, he's had 53 and 20 yards combined in the last two games. But I do think there's going to be a little bit of an extra motivation there. So I would also take the over. Um, 0.5 sacks from Taco Charlton. <laughs> Under man, uh, I, I, I no <laughs> any sack total for this defense is under. And lastly, one point five highlights of Michael Vick comparing to Justin Fields on the broadcast. How many do we have last week? See, I wasn't, I didn't watch like the, the like the full replay of the game. Like, did they do that a lot? I mean, they mentioned it, but there weren't any specific highlights. Mm. But now they've had some time to work on it. These I'm are thinking, two. Yeah. These are two teams with, you know, losing records. Justin in the said his favorite team growing up was the Falcons. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say over then. I, I think you see it twice. All right. And that moves on to the section that uh, I introduced last year to uh, Chicago Audible when you mm-hmm. were out for a while because you had a kid, you know, banded us for a child. How dare you? I know. How dare I? <laughs> uh, we're basically we're going to compare uh, a bear, a list of players, bears, and then from the other team. Uh, Will, you're going to just rapid fire select which one you would choose based on a certain category thought process, depending on the week. Uh, this one is just uh, over the next five years in a rebuilding team, since that's what these two teams really are. Who, like who, which player would you take? And this one this week is titled Bear Down or Bear Down, but in a Southern accent. Reason being, you know why I called it that? why because of the bears down in atlanta yeah because the entire team whether you're talking about the coaches or the football team or his former bears i mean you got offensive coordinator dave ragone you got quarterback coach charles london you got running back coach michael petrie outside linebacker coach ted monachino then you got demir bird jermaine effetti cordero patterson abdullah anderson nick rakowski damian williams elijah wilkerson i mean it's literally chicago south mm-hmm. you know it, it is but yeah, I was trying to actually say bear down in a southern accent, but I couldn't muster up the courage to even try it. Oh, That's I thought about I mean. it, but yeah, no, I don't I don't got the balls to do that. I don't I don't have the accent to do it. I could do it in British, but that's maybe about it. And I'm still not going to do it. All right. So, so on offense, uh, Dave Montgomery, Cordell Patterson, Dave Montgomery, Kill Herbert, Tyler Algier. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go uh, right. If you would have gave me Montgomery Algier, that would have been fun. But I understand why you're doing this comparison. I have to go with Herbert. Uh, that may be 
me and my bias, but I mean, he sticks in the NFL on the yards per attempt still, Herbert is. Like, it's hard to sneeze at that. Cole Komet, Kyle Pitts. Cole Komet. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I know. I, recency bias is a, is a B word, isn't it? It really is. I mean, Kyle's been rough. I mean, he just got all the tools. I mean, I, I, I would have paused. I would have said Kyle, but I see why you're saying Cole. It's, um, and that's the thing. Like, is Kyle's lack of production the offense, the offensive scheme, and the quarterback, or is it him? And that's what you know. Not me, not watching the Falcons closely because I have a micro focus on the Bears all year. Like, I couldn't tell you exactly. But what Cole Komet's been able to do has been light years ahead of what Kyle's done all year. Oh, a hundred percent. Sam Mustafer or Drew Dalman. Anyone but Sam. How about that? Brexton Jones, Jake Matthews. See, I don't know too much about Mr. Matthews right now. I feel like he's a little older, right? He's he's getting there. Yeah. I still go with Jones because if we're going for a five-year rebuild, which I don't know why you said five-year rebuild, man. I'm going for like a two to maybe three-year rebuild at most. But, yeah, I'd still go with Braxton. I know it's been a really bad year, but I'm just hoping that this experience will be a great teacher for him. He can build off of it. Yeah, I went with five just for some of the younger guys so that, like, really, like, you could get, like, a your idea of who they are as people. And then some mm-hmm. of the ones who are, like, old, old, like, you know, this doesn't matter as much because the Bears are much younger, but if you had, like, a you know, your Cleo Max or Robert Quinn's of the world, then you would have been like, okay, yeah, I don't need you. Also, Robert Quinn in Philly, like, man, the Eagles got fleeced. He's doing nothing there. He's I was going to say, I haven't heard a peep uh, about what he's done there, so it must be exactly what you said, which is not – he didn't do much here for the Bears either this year. Yeah. Only had the one sack. It's, it's, yeah. Pol- in polls, I trust. I mean, that deal was fantastic. Uh, Riley Reef or Caleb McGarry? <laughs> I'm going to say Riley because I know him more. I should have I should have looked at this. I should have looked at this roster and knew. I, I knew this segment was coming. I saw the outline. I know you stumped me all the time, but I don't know. Like, who's the other guy? Tell me more about him. What should I have known? So I think I think the reason I every time I do this, it's just basically show where the Bears roster is in context in context of another roster and say, okay, well, yes, this is terrible or this is fine. I think sometimes when you're in a rebuild, you get so drugged down by, man, my team sucks in this rebuild. But when you're listing guys like Caleb McGarry or you're listing Drew Dahlman, I think you're also realizing this is what a rebuild is. It's a bunch of guys. It's not going to say, I have no it, idea. That's the thing. It's it's fine. It's okay that you're running. At least Riley Reef is at this point is a veteran that you've heard of before and that you know is going to at least do stuff that you need him to, a right tackle to do versus no offense to, you know, Caleb McGarry. Maybe he's fantastic. And I just don't know enough tackle play, but like, right. Who are you? Right. And I mean, obviously we had the luxury of reef having pretty much their practical and entire tour of the NFC North. So that helps you kind of get acquainted with the player a little more so than playing in the NFC South. And yeah. All right. Finish up the offense here. We got Darnell Mooney or Drake London. <sighs> Man, do I dare say London at this stage? That's a toughie. Nah, I mean, I know it's up to me. I feel like I'm going to get like punched in the face if I say it. So I'll say Darnell Mooney. Okay. Nikhil Harry or Brian Edwards? I feel like that's a toss up. We'll go with Brian because Nikhil's done not nearly as much as I was hoping he'd do at this, by this stage. Uh, this should be a layup. Uh, Chase Claypool or Demir Bird? <gasps> Demir. <laughs> no, Chase, Chase, Chase. And then, of course, Justin Fields or Marcus Mariota. 
Justin. Okay, see now now I feel better. That that one was uh that that one was an easy one. It's, it has, it's been a while since you could confidently say the quarterback in the answer for the Bears. All right, let's mm-hmm. move to the defense. Rapid through this. Travis Gibson, Taquan Graham. Yeah, at this rate, give me everyone else on the front. Although both defenses are pretty bad. Uh, I'll say Gibson because I'm hoping that he is just in a sophomore slump. I think it's technically year three, but you know what I mean. Justin Jones or Grady Jarrett? What's Grady been doing? Damn. Uh, Grady's been solid. I mean, he's been solid. Yeah. Justin Jones has been solid, too. Can we have both? We can probably no, win. No, one or the other. Sorry. I get one or the other. What are contracts like? No. Uh, I don't I'm have gonna, that info. It's on my head. Damn. Uh, I'll still say Justin because, I mean, I, I like his ability to get those pass deflections at the line of scrimmage. That's been cool. I wish the sack numbers were a lot higher, though. Jack Sackborn or Rashawn Evans? I'm going with Jack Sackborn because he is – a diamond in the roughs that no one in the NFL knows about besides us in Chicago. All right. I think this would have been a, I thought this would be a tougher uh, conversation for this one, but apparently I think I know your answer. Uh, Jack Sanborn or Troy Anderson. No, that one gets a little tougher. I'm still going to say Jack though. I don't know what it is about him, but I want a Jack Sanborn Jersey. Now I should get one after doubling really down should. on him like this. Cause I remember you were kind of high on Troy Anderson coming out. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. I, I was, and that's what got me. I don't know. I guess. I mean, if it's it's hard to just. Here's what makes this one difficult, is with Jack Sanborn in particular. It's hard to want to let someone like that go after you've seen him and you've seen some of that progression, and you know, like to see a player play so well. Besides going undrafted, like it's so, and he's a local kid. It's it's hard to say like get out of here for someone else. Uh, Nicholas Morrow or Lorenzo Carter. Give me Carter because Morrow is on my is he's on my like ish list anyway. Oh, uh, Jalen Johnson, AJ Terrell, Jalen. Okay, okay, Jaquan Brisker, Richie Grant, Jaquan, Kyler Gordon, Darren Hall, Kyler, and a special team special Cordell Patterson or Hillis Jones. Jones Patterson is probably going to get you more than now, but you're hoping Jones figures his stuff out and gets you later and we got our i moved for some reason game predictions we're gonna look at a couple different games bears game included and pick which one which one we think is gonna win against the spread uh so we got bears at falcons falcons are favored by three points basically just that home field bump who you got oh i got the bears and this one i think they win but if we also have the spread to play with i'm feeling really good about that yeah, I agree. Having the three points is nice, and I just don't see, as again, as bad as the Bears' defense is. It's not good. I can't say that enough. I don't see the Falcons putting up 30 points. I, I don't I, see they, him, I don't see him beating the Bears by by that spread. Like If the Bears lose, it's going to be like another like two to one point loss like we've been saying. Thursday night football, Packers Ooh. at Titans. Titans are favored by three at home. Again, the home field bump. Packers finally got a win last week. Uh, Christian Watson woke up a little bit and they mm-hmm. had a very heavy run game. Who you got? I'm going to say it's only by three. By three. I'll give it. I'm going to, unfortunately I'm going to say green Bay Thursday night football's weird. And I feel like it's gonna be a close game. It's gonna be a gross, probably ugly game, but I also mm-hmm. think that's what like the Titans and what Mike Frabel do best is just gross, ugly games. So I yep. actually went with the Titans. I think Derrick Henry is going to put up like two touchdowns. Ooh, all right. I, I like that. That makes me feel better because I, I hated even saying the other. 
Browns at Bills. Bills are favored by eight. Uh, we found out this game is actually going to be played in Detroit now because there's going to be about 31 inches of snow or whatever. There's going to be like literally six feet of snow in Buffalo. It's going to be wild. Um, and then they're actually going to play in Detroit because the Bills are playing Detroit on Thanksgiving. So they can just stay there for the rest of the week. Wow. And actually, fun fact, right now there is an indoor carnival at Ford Field that has to be taken down so that the game can be played. Uh, who, who do you have, Browns or Bills? I'm going to say the Bills uh, in this one. I think that neutral field, though, is going to be a big factor. I think I actually will really want to tune into that game now. I probably wasn't going to watch it before, but now just it's going to be interesting seeing these two teams play on in Ford Field. And um, for me, eight points is a lot, even for the Bills. I still don't know how Josh Allen's elbow truly is. I bet UCL is nothing to mess with. And also, he's coming off that really disappointing Vikings game where he's thrown, I think it's set like two, like four, two or three red zone interceptions in the last couple of games. Like it's like not great currently down there and or up there in Buffalo. So I'm going to pick the Browns to cover, but the bills to win. Understood. Uh, I'm going, Oh yeah. And then next, uh, just because I think this storyline is interesting for the rest of the year, because the Colts are insane. Uh, Eagles at Colts. Eagles are favored by seven. It's hard to, it's interesting because like you said, the Colts are just, and they surprised me too. Uh, their first game with Saturday, a head coach, and just hearing being in that market and hearing all about it, it's, it's just such a weird predicament. I, I still give it to the Eagles here, though. I know their schedule hasn't been great, uh, but I, I feel like the Colts got the like the you know that big push from the interim head coach, and now we'll see it maybe settle uh, a bit. So that's why I'll, I'll give it to the Eagles here, even though it's a pretty big spread. I have the Eagles as well. They lose one game and they go out and, you know, try to assemble like a Avengers like Marvel movie and go get in Dom Kinsu today and all that jazz. Like they're just apparently upset about very upset about losing that game. I don't see that happening again, at least not in the fashion they did to the commanders. And then lastly, Jets at Patriots. Patriots are favored by three. Jet the Jets are next up on the Bears docket. Uh, I think the Jets here are are gonna Ooh. take it. Yeah, I know a little a little out there, but I, I don't know. I, I guess just looking at the AFC East, I, I've personally been hoping that the Patriots can like, you know, be like third or fourth in that division for a bit. So, and there's a lot to ride there because you have what the Dolphins up there too, and then Buffalo. So there's a lot of good teams in that division, and and uh, in a way. So I'm gonna still go Jets though. What about you? You going the other way? Your ooh makes me think like you will. I went the other way. I have a hard time picking any anything Jets, and especially Zach Wilson. I know a lot of Jets fans are very much like, oh, we're right in the conversation with the Bears in terms of Fields and Wilson and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, I'm, I'm sorry. That uh, It's still going to be Bill Belichick. Um, it's Mac Jones, I think, is still a steady quarterback. I think Ramon J. Stevenson is a great running back. And they have interesting wide receivers, maybe not good wide receivers, but they're interesting. Devontae Parker, Jacoby Myers. Um, the Jets are on the way to maybe getting something, but they're not, they're just not there. And to our last section, a cock six and bull story. This is where we're going to look at a bold prediction uh, for the offense, one for the defense. We, all, of course, had to end with a nice, lovely pun there. I love it. It's a great pun. So something unbelievable is how you're framing your bold predictions or not trying to keep them in the realm because I got one. If we're trying to go unbelievable here, go not so two rushing touchdowns, Treston Ebner. That is unbelievable. 
You said unbelievable, so that's no, the first thing that came to mind. That's fantastic. I'm all about it. I just was surprised that that's what you went with. But, yeah, that, that absolutely fits. Um, mine is Chase Claypool gets his first touchdown. Um... <gasps> we lost Mason. Chase Claypool, he, he's getting that first touchdown. Hopefully Mason makes it back here in a second. Awkward, huh? Technology. Mason, come back. Well, that was weird. Is it my show now? <laughs> you guys take over. Um, basically, what I was saying, Courtney Cronin tweeted out, and I'm going to keep it. I was going to read a whole thing, but I'm just going to paraphrase that Luke Getzi basically said that Chase is finally getting a lot more of the route tree put into it and that they can do a lot more stuff and expect more from Chase. Just keep it simple. That's why I picked it. And then on defense, I said, Bears don't allow 30 points. That is a pretty unbelievable right now. Yeah. Uh, I got Travis Gibson, Justin Jones, and Daco Charlton each getting at least 0.5 sacks in this game. That is also pretty bold. I like it. Yeah. it's That's a, such a sad thing that like I can't even like, I thought putting one sack each would be like so bad. He just kicked me out. Like, no, it's like way too far fetched. So I had to like bump it down to 0.5 and, that's just pathetic. Like I was saying, like we're even at that stage. That's where we live right now with Chicago Bears. But he, last note that I would leave it on is I prefer this life to the really good defense, atrocious offense life we were previously living. Because mm-hmm. there's just something more, this is more fun. I mean, this is, again, this is Madden. Like, it's fine. Everyone's just going to score on each other, whatever. But it's it's just more enjoyable right now with having it flipped like that. It is. It's more fun to watch your team score than watch the other team barely score, but you still somehow score less. That's demoralizing because technically if you have a good defense like that, you should be able to win these games. But when it's not the case, as we know all too well, it can it can really just kick you uh, and, and keep you down. And at least this way too, and I know that hasn't worked out in the Bears' favor, but it literally is just finishing a game. It's literally being the last team to score and time of possession and working out that game flow right. And just when you have a chance to win it, you have to go out there and execute and get it done. And the Bears have had chances. And the other path, there's been times where you get to the midpoint through the fourth quarter. You've had like three first downs the entire game. Like you have no hope that's going to happen. At least now with the offense moving the way it is, like you feel like they can go down there and win a game if they have a chance. They just, this young team hasn't figured it out yet, but we'll get there. I think that's a perfect place to leave it. Uh, everyone, please go follow Will at Will DeWitt. It's at W-I-1-1-D-E-W-I-T-T uh, with CHGO. Good content over there. I, I don't want to say great because I'm not a part of that. So, you know, it's, it's good good <laughs> content. Um, but they do send me shirts and stuff every once in a while. So I like that. That, that part's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I like it. And I mean, obviously at CHGO, uh, I'm excited to be a part of this journey uh, as we kind of continue Moving it forward, I'm not going to do a huge ass plug here for you, uh, Mr. Mason, but excited. I'm glad that, you know, you're a fan of, you know, Nick and I and can help supporting us as we go through it at CHGO. And it's been it's been great. And I'm excited that, you know, the guys at Windy City are allowing you to have this space, to have your show. And I, I've been, you know, tuning in and watching and I love to support you right along. And honestly, I'll, I'll end the show like I began the show. I miss getting to do these shows with you, and it was a little strange to be in the opposite chair, but I thought we found our way pretty smoothly, like old times. Yeah, it was pretty overall pretty smooth. It was a reminiscence, right? I, I've wanted this show to be 
a reminiscence a little bit of the Chicago Audible, but with some tweaks to it, almost like kind of what you guys are still doing, you know, for, on Thursday for your preview show. I know that's your throwback Thursday show, and I still tune into that, and it's it's awesome because you still get the same vibe that that mm-hmm. y'all were doing for a while. So it's it's really fun. I'm happy we didn't kill the vibe entirely, and that we get to keep it alive here uh, in that fashion. And who knows now with uh, some of the changes that we've had that. Maybe in the off season we can continue something very similar. At least that's my hope. Absolutely. All right, that's all we got for you. And hopefully, enjoy a Packers loss tonight if you are tuning into that. Otherwise, uh, I will catch you maybe next Thursday. We got. I got to figure that out because it is Thanksgiving. And no offense to any of you tuning in, um, I'm probably going to be eating turkey and various things. So keep keep an eye out for what that looks like if we do a show maybe earlier or maybe push it till Friday or something like that. But other than that. Bear down Chicago Bears fans.